Shalom and welcome to The Jewish Mind, where growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. The modern issue we are going to discuss is why is it that all too often we fall too low emotionally, which then affects us physically, spiritually, financially, and in our relationships. Regardless of how deep our minds hear that we are each a precious child of God, the apple of his eye, as an, quote, only child born to parents in their elder years, end quote. And nevertheless, for so many of us, this firm belief and knowledge doesn't stand against the bombardment of depression, low self-esteem, and the need of consistent validation from others. At times, we fall so low into vulnerability that one criticism in the face of nine compliments sounds screeching as the loudest, deepest, and truest of them all. The question is why? Why are humans so susceptible to falling so low emotionally? More importantly, as always, is not the knowledge of the challenge, but of its cure. Based on two very in-depth teachings of the Rebbe on this Shabbat and this Shabbat night in 1958 on the mystical secret of the Hebrew letters, we are going to discover where the emotional and spiritual downslide begins and how to reverse it. Next week Friday, the 10th day of the Jewish calendar month Shabbat, World Jewry and people touched by the Rebbe, his teachings, and his work will be celebrating the day upon which the Rebbe of saintly memory ascended to leadership unofficially in the year 1950 and then officially in the year 1951. The Rebbe's predecessor and father-in-law, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Lubavitch, toward his latter years would prepare his mimer in writing rather than delivering them orally due to his physical health. And thus it was, for the very Shabbat of his Hilula, Ascent to Heaven, there was a mimer distributed, which had four parts made up of 20 chapters every year on the 10th of Shvat, the day of the Hilula of the previous Rebbe, the Rebbe would build his own mimer on the next chapter of these 20 chapters. And in 1971, the Rebbe began again from chapter 1. Thus, in 1958, as again later in 1978, the Rebbe delivered his mimer on the 8th chapter of his predecessor's mimer. This year, 2018, around the world, we will be studying on the Shabbat before, the 10th of Shabbat, and the Shabbat after, these teachings of the Rebbe. In 1958, the Rebbe delivered one mimer on Shabbat at the Shabbat Fabrengen, and then again a second mimer on Saturday night at the public Yud Shvat Fabrengen. It is upon these two memorim that this lecture is built. They are both an amazing, lengthy, deep, and detailed teaching, and we will just be pulling one line of thought from these vastly wealthy teachings. I will just briefly give a synopsis of the first eight chapters. Built upon the verse, I have come to my garden, our sages extrapolate from the word my garden that we are speaking of the garden in which God originally was. Through the sins of mankind, however, God has been pushed away from the garden, earth, and then from lower heavens to higher heavens. Following this, there arose the seven righteous ones, starting with Abraham through to Moses, who brought God back to his original my garden. 
The Mimer goes on to explain that this return of God to my garden brings forth greater presence than the original presence, for it was brought about through the transformation of ego, evil and ego into goodness and divinity. The original presence was that of the finite linear light, while the act of transformation arouses the infinite circular light. This explains why the work of Moses bringing God back to earth in the physical tabernacle manifests itself with the primary service of bringing an animal as a sacrifice. In the microscopic tabernacle, the human individual, the animal represents the animal soul and its egocentric drives and apathies. The Hebrew word for sacrifice is karbon, from the word karov, which means to bring close to God. The blood sprinkled on the altar is the drawing of the egocentric passion to the selfless passion and love for God. The fire upon the altar consuming the animal is the passion and love for God which transforms the animalistic soul. So too, the walls of the tabernacle were made of atse shitim, cedar wood. The word shitim comes from the word shtut, which means folly. Here too, the lesson is that we must transform the spirit of folly which leads us to sin into the ultimate divine spirit of folly in an illogical transcendence in our love and commitment to God. Now, chapter 8 takes us to the name of the beams which made up the walls of the tabernacle. Kerashim, plural, and Keresh, singular. The three letters of the word Keresh, which is Kuf, Resh, and Shin, rearranged, make up the word Sheker, which means lies. Thus, we are going to now delve into these letters, which can fall into lies, Sheker, versus their spiritual opposites, which transform them into the beams of the house of God, Keresh. To understand these teachings easier, I'm going to give out I'm going to give handouts with the Hebrew letters and the distinct properties that they each have, and also of some important words and their properties. For those watching live feed now, I will hold them each up to the camera and later will post a link to them as well. Please post your email in the comments of the this live feed and I will email you all the notes and the handout package for you to print out. So, now for the list of the mystical concepts we need to explore in order to understand this lecture. A. The Gimel and the Dalid, giver and receiver. B. The Dalid versus the Resh, humble receiver, egocentric receiver. The Kuf and the He, the monkey and the human. The power of tzedakah, charity, transformation. And finally, the garden's well and the empty ditch. The godly soul and the animalistic soul. And let the amazement of Hasidus begin. The first two letters we will talk about are Gimel and Dalit. The Talmud, when defining the letters, defines this as Gomel Dalim, giving charity to the poor. In Kabbalah and Hasidus, this refers to the giver, God, and this receiver, universe, mankind. We are going to now define the Gimel. However, to do so and to understand the greater concept of this lecture, we are going to first explain two forms of life force and sustenance from the giver and the receiver. And to understand this, we are going to turn to the perfection of the Garden of Eden. 
At first, the Garden of Eden was perfect and self-sustaining, as the verse in Genesis states, and the mist ascended from the earth and watered the entire surface of the ground. However, then the verse states, just six verses later in Genesis, Now the Lord God took the man and he placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to guard it. The difference is that in the original covenant of sustenance that God made with the world through setting up Mother Nature on the spiritual level is that the world received from the finite linear light, which defines the spiritual concept of nature. However, once mankind was created and giving God 613 commandments to work it with the 248 positive commandments and to guard it with the 365 prohibitions, now, through our serving God, and drawing God's infinite circular will and infinite circular pleasure into the universe, the world now receives beyond the original finite linear Mother Nature light and receives from the transnational infinite circular light. Another concept to understand is that in Kabbalah and Hasidus, the letter Yud represents contraction and humility. Now, in order to have the finite linear permeating light, the transmission from the giver must go through three things. A, a contraction. B, a descent. And C, another contraction so that the receiver can digest it. Thus, let us go back to the Gimel. There is a Yud on top, which is the original contraction within the giver's infinite light. And then there is the Vav, which is the descent, concealment upon concealment. And then there is the Yud on bottom, another contraction for the digestion of the receiver. Let us now move on to the Dalit, the receiver. On the one hand, the Dalit does have a Yud on its top right corner, which means humility and receiving from holiness. However, being that in Hebrew we, re we write from right to left, that means that the Yud of the Dalit is in the back of the Dalit. Thus, we now need to introduce another major mystical concept in Kabbalah and Hasidus. Absolutely everything comes from God, which means holiness and purity. So how does evil and impurity exist? The answer is that within holiness itself, even when there is a Yud, however, there can be a face-to-face -face relationship and, and transmission, or, that can, or there can be B, back-to-back -back relationship and transmission. The difference on this level within the Yud relationship of humility and holiness is not how it is here, but what can later evolve from the relationship after their contractions, concealments, and descents. From a face-to-face -face transmission, there can never be a descent into evil and impurity. However, from a back-to-back -back transmission, through the myriads of contractions, descents, and concealments, there can eventually evolve a life force for the impure and the evil. However, this is all within the realm of the Yud of Holiness, which the Dalit does have, only that it has it in a back-to-back -back relationship and transmission. Now let us look at another form of receiver. We're going to talk about the Dalit and the Resh, the humble receiver and the egocentric receiver. So another form of receiver beside the Dalit, which is the letter Resh. The Dalit and the Resh are very similar in form and in meaning. They both mean poor, Dalus and Resh, meaning that they both are receivers, only that the Resh doesn't have the Yud which means that it comes from the other side 
of impurity and refuses to be humble. With this, we now understand that Sheker, lies, has the evil letter of Resh, rather than the holy letter, albeit back-to-back, Dalit. Now, let us go to the next concept, the Kuf and the He, the monkey and the human. Let us first see the holy letter He, and then we will understand the evil letter of Kuf. The first thing to notice of the letter He is that it has a Yud in front of it, and thus there can be no evolution from the He into the world of evil and impurity. We're talking about face-to-face here. To understand this clearer, let us look at the second important fact of the He, that it has three lines, which represent thought, speech, and action. Now, in the evolution of the holy worlds, this is the evolution of the divine world of Atzilut into the separated worlds of, here are the three names, uh, the three different um, separated worlds. Number one, Bria, which means creation, represents thought. B, Yitzira, which is formation, which represents speech. And C, Asiya, which means made, which is, represents action. However, the verse in Isaiah states, and I read to you the verse, Whom I created for my glory, I formed him, and I made him. So you have here all three worlds, created, formed, and made. Only that, between the first two, there is no separation of and. While between the first two and the third, there is the separation of and. And I made him. Thus, within mankind, there is a direct flow between thoughts and speech. However, there is a leap of faith between thought, speech, and action. This is reflected in the letter He, which has two lines connected and the third line separated. Now, because the letter He has a face-to-face relationship and transmission with the Yud, therefore, even the separated realm of action does not fall low and remains within the upper form of letters above the line. Now, let us look at the letter Kuf. It is as the letter He, only that its line of action falls very low into evil and impurity. The reason for this is that the hay comes from the Dalid, and even though it has back-to-back, but it does have the Yud, and therefore it can be elevated and corrected to remain within holiness and purity. The letter Kuf, on the other hand, receives from the letter Resh, and therefore, which doesn't have the Yud, and thus will fall far too low to be salvaged. This is why, if we look at the right two lines of the He, it is a Dalid, to which we add on the third line. However, the right two lines of the Kuf is the Resh, and therefore its third leg falls way beneath the line. This leads us yet to another concept of the Kuf. In Hebrew, the word for monkey is Kuf. And in Kabbalah and Hasidus, when we speak about the relationship between what exists in holiness and what exists in impurity, they seem to be similar, less Yet, we say, it is a monkey before a human, a monkey in the face in comparison to a human. We explain the concept of the kuf, the monkey, which falls far beneath the line, into impurity and evil. So let us now define the human. Adam is the word for human, and one of its meaning is from the word adama, likeness to the supernal man. God. Look at the word adam, and you find the words Aleph, Dam, Adam, Aleph, Dam. The three letters of Aleph and Dalet Mem. Break them into two, you have Aleph and Dam. Dam means blood. 
The letter Dalit is the first letter of the word Dibor, to speak. And the letter Mem is the first letter of the word Maase, action. The letter Aleph thus represents thought. However, here, unlike the letter He, in which thought and speech are connected, while action is separated, here thought, the Aleph, is separated, and speech and action, the Dalit Mem, the word Dam, are connected. Because here we are focusing that both speech and action are external expressions dealing with the outside, while thought is internal within the soul itself. Thus, in Adam, where we are dealing with the holiness of the hay in remaining in face-to-face, all remain loyal to the soul, which is Adame in the likeness of the supernal man. And all of our speech and action remains within holiness, fed by the Aleph within our soul. However, the Kuf, all of its parts are from the back-to-back and from the impurity of being Yudless, and therefore it is all but as a monkey in the face of a man. Now we can understand the power of giving charity, which stops the back-to-back relationship within holiness from falling into evil and impurity. The Hebrew word for charity is tzedakah, spelled in Hebrew letters tzaddik, dalid, kuf, and hey. Break that into two and we have the words tzedek, hey, tzaddik, dalid, kuf, and then the hey. Meaning that the power of giving tzedakah is that it transforms the tzaddik, dalid, kuf, which is back to back, the tzaddik and the dalid, falling into evil and impurity, which is the kuf. And now, through giving from our physical pursuits and earning to charity, all of the above is now transformed and protected to be within the hay, face-to-face holiness. We already explained the letters Dalit, back-to-back, and Kuf, evil and impurity, so let's just look a brief moment at the letter Tzadik, and you will see that it is a Yud riding on the back of a Nun, the emphasis, the emphasis being on the back the back-to-back relationship and transmission. So all three letters, the tzaddik, dalit, and kuf of tzedakah, all belong to the other side. Then comes along the hey, by turning tzedek into tzedakah, giving charity, the hey transforms and saves and protects the letters tzaddik, dalit, kuf from falling low into evil. Let's explain this power of giving tzedakah practically. When a person forgets that all our work to, making, to make a living are but vessels and ultimately our structure, our sustenance comes from the blessing of God she makes rich, as King Solomon says, which fills our vessels, then we fall from living within the face-to-face relationship of focusing on receiving the blessing of God through honesty, Torah study, and good deeds and giving charity far more than on indulging excessively on cheating and broadening the vessels. Rather, instead of making sure that our earning a living is but the toil of our hands, meaning, that's what uh, King David says, it should be the toil of our hands, while the head and heart remains free to focus on the Torah and commandments, now our heads and hearts are submerged in the pursuit of physical wealth, fame, and power. Therefore, we are now in the Kuf realm, in which eventually our actions will become less than holy, less than selfless, less than honest, into actions of impurity and evil. However, when we give charity, we then remember that all that we earn is from the blessing 
of God. And we want to remain within the holiness and purity to receive the blessing of God. So too it is when, so too it is when remaining within our healthy fear of God and our love for God that we curb ourselves of all our physical indulgence within our thought, speech, and action that they all be with the oneness, purity, and holiness of the hay. There is one more point in understanding how we transform the sheker lies into the kerish beams of the tabernacle. There is the garden's well and the empty ditch, the godly soul and the animalistic soul. In songs, King Solomon says, A garden fountain, a well of living waters. The fountain here is the garden's well, which refers to the godly soul in her descent into the physical world, just as the water filters through the veins of the earth into the well. The Hebrew word for well is be'er, bet, aleph, resh. Concerning Joseph, as his brothers were selling him into slavery, the verse states, and they took him and cast him into the pit. Now the pit was empty, there was no water in it. On the closing words of the verse, our sages teach us, here is a question and an answer from the Talmud and the Medrash. Why is it written, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it? From the implication of what is said, and the pit was empty, do I not know that there was no water in it? What then is taught by, there was no water in it? The answer, there was no water, yet there were snakes and scorpions in it. The ditch here is the animalistic soul, which can fall too low into the nether pit. The word for empty is rake, the two evil letters of resh and kuf, and thus, when there is rake for the ditch, animalistic soul, it falls into the evil of poisonous snakes and scorpions. The Hebrew word for ditch is bor, bet, vav, resh. Thus the difference between the be'er, garden's well, and the bor, rake, empty ditch, is in the letters, one is bet, aleph, resh, one is bet, vav, resh, but what does it metaphorically mean? Is what we do with our physical life. If we live the life of the godly soul, curbing ourselves from the indulgence pursuit of egocentric, then what we experience is the sweetening of the salty waters as it is forced through the veins of the earth, coming up as sweet well waters. However, if we live the life of the animalistic soul in its indulgence of the egocentric physical pursuit of fame, wealth, and power, then we fall too low into the evil empty pit of snakes and scorpions. The bor, the empty pit, is the experience of falling into the sheker, lies of the egocentric paradigm of the animalistic soul. The be'er, the garden's well, is what we get when we transform the sheker into keresh, transforming the egocentric world into the tabernacle of God. So in closing, what we are learning here is that the place where falling too low begins is the lack of humility and the lack of having a face-to-face -face relationship with God. What does this practically mean? What it means is that we live without gratitude and acknowledgement of God's compassion and goodness to us. For me personally, all my loneliness, vulnerability to low self-esteem, and resentment to God all begins when I am acknowledging all that God isn't doing for me and all the times I feel wronged by God, and especially in relativity of how good God is to those who are so much less than me. 
I experience this negative list with such certainty and zero doubt that A. I am better than the other, and B. That God does for him so much more than God does for me. Where does all this insanity come from? From the Raish and the Kuf, with zero focus on the Dalit, the Hay, and the Aleph in my life. Thus, the answer to not falling too low, emotionally, spiritually, and in all the other areas of my life is by A. Bringing the Yud into my life, humility, to make a gratitude list towards God. B. Bringing a face-to-face relationship of acknowledging all that God does for me, protects me, and gives me. And C. Open myself up to the Aleph intimate relationship God wants to have with me and offers me to have with Him. My friends, easier said than done. After living years and decades of the back-to-back fetching thought pattern. But repetitive forced thinking eventually becomes second nature and ultimately becomes our predominant nature. So don't give up. Do the gratitude thoughts again and again, day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. And the old neural pathways in our brain will disappear, making room for the new ones. Friends, modernity offers growth, and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here, at the platform of the Jewish mind, is where modernity meets Judaism.